If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. What up? It's Dylan. And we're back with uh, something a little bit different this week. Hey, Dylan, what are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about that game we played. <laughs> you know, the one, the one I can't remember the title. <laughs> That's right. I did, I did not tell you I was going to pitch this to you. Uh, Dylan and I, for a uh, Patreon episode of uh, The Unexplored Places, which we are both cast members of, and you should go check them out. Uh, patreon.com slash unexploredcast or on twitter at unexploredcast they're uh they do cool stuff and we get to do it with them they we we are doing sort of one shot games uh for the the next few months as a monthly patreon reward over there and dylan and i played one together uh last week don't know exactly when it'll be going up but it's a game called together among the stars by takuma okada it is a duet game about space exploration and we had such a good time playing it that we wanted to bring it to this show and sort of talk about kind of what spoke to us about this game and what what you know what it kind of woke up uh yeah so as as a to give a very brief kind of rundown it is a two-player gm-less game so there's no there's nobody sort of running the game all of the players are equal participants i i kind of took the reins of a like host sort of uh role when we were recording because i had the game book but if you're playing in person or or playing with friends you you don't need anybody to be like the game master and all it is you need a deck of cards and a die and every turn is spent exploring a new planet so you figure out you know how many features of this planet are we going to discover and then you deal out that that many cards and then you take turns, you look at the card, and that gives you, based on the suit and, uh, and value of the card, that gives you, there's a table in the book that corresponds to, like, what kind of thing is it? So is it a living thing? Is it a natural phenomenon? Is it a, like, geological formation? Uh, and then the, the number gives you, you know, where do you find it? And then there are some extra details that you roll for, like, how hard is it to find? What sort of circumstances do you find it in? And then you just take turns making up a new thing and fleshing it out and using this to kind of build out these new alien worlds. And then once you've flipped over all the cards for that planet, you give the planet a name and you fly off to a new one and you continue for as long as you want to play. And let me tell you, it was one of the most fun, like new game experiences I've had in a very long time. Yeah. I think the operative word is uh vibe. It was a vibe. It was yeah, and it it was several vibes because it mm-hmm. when it started out we were, it felt very cozy like the first few that we we made or the few first few things that we kind of made up were like 
uh, a tree on like a swamp planet with these little six-legged monkey things in them, and they're having some kind of ceremony, and we we it it felt a little bit cozy and a little bit like the mental images I was having were very sort of Miyazaki esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see that definitely. And then as it went on, and I don't know whether this was like a result of the cards we were drawing or where you know sort of our like storytelling instincts kicking in and being like things need to get darker before if for like tension or what but like stuff got scarier and one of the things that we discovered we we determined to be like a a derelict alien spaceship uh on like a a pluto ass way out in the middle of nowhere planet it was it was interesting just like how evocative these when you get down to it, pretty bare bones prompts mm-hmm. were. Yeah, I think for me, the um, the the real fun of the game, because, you know, this this is a, a co-op game, which I'm not entirely used to with a, a tabletop game with two players. Right. Like you're you're always expecting like some form of competition. Yeah. Um, you don't you don't play D&D without a DM, for example. Yeah. Um. And you, you could do, like, a pacifist D&D game, um, but the systems don't really... The, the, the way that particular game... I'm just... I'm using Dungeons & Dragons because it's, like... Yeah. You know, the prototypical... And I mean, what, kind icon. of what you're getting at is, like, we think of games, like, tabletop RPGs in particular, as being, you know, storytelling mediums, and stories typically need... Conflict. I'm going to use the word conflict here, yeah. not necessarily meaning, like... Gur, I am the bad guy, but like there, there, you need tension. You need a push and pull for like a lot of traditional storytelling to work, which is why you have the GM who sets up whatever the obstacles are for the player, whether that's a, a camp of goblins or like, you know, a rival sports team or whatever, whatever game you're playing in. And we weren't, this isn't that kind of game. <laughs> the, the vibe here is just like, I think. You know, as Chris and I were playing this game, we were both really excited to come up and create with, uh, come up with completely alien worlds, um, and just kind of, and I, I think what was fun is that, like, Chris would throw a random thing out, and then I'd have to interpret that and try to, um, I think during the episode, uh, that we recorded, I, I referred to it as a game of creative ping pong. Um, yeah, yeah. Where... Chris had an idea for something he wanted to see on an alien planet. And then I would receive that information and I would be given a prompt and I would somehow have to combine that prompt with what Chris was giving me to manifest something alien that I would like to see. Um, And it's, it, you know, it's almost like a writer's room. uh, It was in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt, not dissimilar to like improv exercises in that way. Yeah, I could definitely see that. All we all we had to go off of was was each other's ideas and and kind of building creatively on top of really sparse stuff. It was it was sparse prompts from a a pretty limited table and each other. Yeah. And I have not heard it back yet uh Christine at Unexpl- the unexplored places the our our gm and and showrunner and you know they wear a lot of hats yes (laughs) at that show uh but they are currently editing that and i'm very excited to hear it because i i had a great time 
at the same time, I don't know like how good of radio it will be because it was such a like it was very free form. Um, but like it was very free form. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. Like, I kind of look at it from the perspective of and, you know, obviously I can't speak for every single listener of the unexplored places, but, I, you know, I think. What I found engaging about it to play and what I'm hoping translates to the listener is that we were able to gush about stuff that we thought was really cool, even if it was in like abstracted in a, okay, I'm, I'm given this element. How do I, what do I add to this? That makes it feel very otherworldly. Like, um, for example, I think Chris, I think you had us go into a cave and we, we ran into a bear and you gave it like these weird messed up squid like eyes. And I was like, Oh, oh. yeah. And, and my thought was like, Oh, that's really weird. I don't like that. And then I drew a card and it, it told me that I, I think I had to make something change about the animal or make an observation about the animal. And so what my prompt was, was I wanted to continue that uncanny surreal energy that Chris was giving me. And so I decided that the longer I stared into the bear's eyes, the more human that bear's eyes became. Yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. I, I really loved that one. Um, and I guess it's like, it, it's a game without points. It's a game without particularly gamey elements, but like the the scoring is almost in, in the response of your, your scene partner, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like, um, ah, oh God, what, what's the, I'm, I'm trying to think like, what am I like? And I guess, you know, to tie it back to theater, you you almost kind of want to impress your scene partner in a way, right? You want to you wanna yeah. keep both people engaged in the performance and you want to throw something at them maybe that, you know, is not unexpected, but like elicits a response that like, you know, because every every run of a scene is going to be different. So, um, yeah. And, and, you know, part of part of being a good and well-prepared actor is doing you know as much of the work you can ahead of time to be able to bring something new and bring something that is wholly of yourself to the scene and to you know to the rehearsal to the performance and you know it's it it is not about like i want to impress my scene scene partner so that they stop in the middle of acting and go like wow that was really good but like having those moments of genuine kind of like surprise and discovery in the moment based on what your partner is giving you and what you're giving them. Yeah. There is, there is something not to get too uh, navel gazy, but there is something kind of like, no, Chris, get navel gazy. This is an art I, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there is something very uh, kind of, satisfyingly alchemical about those sorts of interactions. And I think this game was really tailor-made to kind of live in that space. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Uh, You know, I I think that's... Because there is a space in uh, tabletop gaming for these types of more um, communal storytelling prompt-based games. And I don't I don't think they get necessarily the same airplay as the more overtly combat oriented adventure driven ones. 
but I I don't know. I, I, I like this type of stuff. Um, I remember in grade school when they would have us, you know, you get handed a prompt or, you know, the person behind you wrote the beginning to a story and they're handing it to you and you have to continue it. Um, and the person ahead of you is continuing a story that you started and you just keep going into a circle to, just to see what you've created. I think that's also an element of uh, tabletop gaming. And I, I, it's nice to it's nice to play games that um, are more overtly about uh, that kind of storytelling and, and creativity. Also, the fact that like because it is of a tabletop structure, there is an element of randomness. And, you know, it's it's not it is not so structured that um it's going to happen the same way every time um because frequently we would have like uh you discover something in a tundra you know that was the one that kept coming up chris um yeah we we had we, a lot we of had tundras to... we had a of moments of like tell tell me uh it was like tell me how this thing changes yeah and i i think it's like um because we we kept on drawing those same things over and over again, we had to keep challenging ourselves to become creative with different um, answers to that. Of course, you know, don't tell anyone who listens to the unexplored places, but a couple times <laughs> we had to fudge the numbers a bit because we <laughs> didn't want every the entire story to take place in the same tundra over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> um. I think that there is something tabletop RPGs are at their core, like, you know, creative, collaborative storytelling games. Like they are, they are there to allow people to tell stories together. And I think that what made this game feel so special to me is that it was really about everything that it was in. It was there to further that purpose. It was there to, allow for and encourage collaboration and storytelling without a lot of a lot of the more gamey elements that are typical in the space had been stripped away to allow it to be solely about that mm-hmm. and i think that that was just like very refreshing uh yeah. to tie it into video games a little bit it reminded me of a genre that's getting a little bit more nowadays that was not getting much for a while but like I mean, partially it's the aesthetic because it's together among the stars, but like a space sim, like a space exploration mm-hmm. sim. Thinking about like No Man's Sky is the obvious one, but also like uh, the Elite Dangerous series or, oh, there's a game. Rebel Galaxy Outlaw is another great one, but like, or The, or, or the Outer Wilds, another great game. It's slightly different, not quite as much a space sim, but like mm-hmm. there are these handful of like sci-fi space exploration games that this reminded me of a lot and and they're typically games that are a little bit more contemplative a little bit quieter they allow you to kind of do what you want to do in a like space exploration sense and uh i want more games that can be this much of a vibe (laughs) (laughs) like i i can't really think of a game that taps into creativity and aesthetic in quite the way that this one did in like a video game context. I, there are some that come close, like thinking about like it's, it's genre wise, totally different, but like 
the Harvest Moon game, Stardew Valley, Animal Crossing. It's really weird because I was also thinking about Harvest Moon. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Speak on this. Help me because I, I, it came to mind, but I don't have I'm not sure why yet. Um, I'm going to say the low amount of stakes um, because because there aren't really a ton of stakes in Harvest Moon in the same way that there aren't really a ton of stakes in Together Among the Stars. Be- the the gaminess of of the game uh <laughs> it doesn't it's not based on survival it's not based on skill checks it's based on kind of a repetitive task but i think in being so much about repetitive tasks and low stakes interactions what it becomes is almost like the appeal of those games is the role-playing element, I would say. Like, you know, when, you, when you're playing Harvest Moon or Stardew Valley, it's not so much, like, there is a degree of, oh man, I gotta grind to get, like, you know, to maximize my, you know, farm sims are capitalist sims in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you want, you want number go up. I plant apple seeds so I can make apple trees so I can sell apples, money. Um... But I think, like, that's not why people like those games. People like those yeah, games no. because um, of things like the sprite work. People like those games because of the NPCs. Um, you can marry NPCs in those games. Uh, Animal Crossing fans will bully the villagers they don't like out of the village so they can get villagers they do like in their village. So they can because... build their perfect little community in a bottle. But I get <laughs> that, right? It's like it's like you want... Th- these are games that emotionally feel more like dollhouses that you can construct for yourself yeah or at least animal crossing is um yeah but like but while being more about the experience of being in it than something like the sims like mm-hmm. and i say that as someone who like the sims bug never grabbed me if you're somebody listening to this and you're like i love the sims for exactly this reason awesome like tell tell me about that Please on social media that. i'd be yeah. fascinated to know more but like for me i think what works about like a harvest moon that doesn't work about like the sims or what works about no man's sky that doesn't work about spore is feeling like you are in it yeah feeling like you know you can have a lot of influence over the island and animal crossing but you're still moving around your little guy yeah uh you're the one who's like collecting and foraging everything you're the one giving gifts to your fellow townspeople I don't know which uh, of these uh, life sim are, is, is that the genre life sim? Does that does that sound I, right? I think so. It it's a useful. It, I know what you mean, and our listeners okay. do too because we've provided context. Yeah, <laughs> um, like these specific kind of direct input life sim games. I feel like again, I I think the role play element's stronger because like in the Sims, you are not even if you create a sim for yourself, you are not playing that character. You are the god overlooking their personal life because they are your virtual pet. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas I think something like Animal Crossing, something like Harvest Moon, Stardew Valley, whatever, um, you are playing a much more direct role, um, especially in in the games where, like, uh, townspeople will react and respond to you um, based on, like, you know, in Animal Crossing, how long have you been absent? You turn the game back on and if it's been three real world years since you last played uh the villagers are gonna comment on it yep (laughs) um yeah like you know and it's just like little stuff like that i think is um 
the vibes are comfy. Um, but like even yeah. even ignoring stuff like like harvest like life sim games, I think other exploratory games do this as well. Um, one of the big reasons why I like I was gonna say Majora's Mask, but I think a better example would be um the early hours of Final Fantasy VII. Is that like there's there's not a ton of um vibing like you know NPCs are not going to respond dynamically to you um in Final Fantasy VII for the PS One. Um, but what I enjoy about it is just like they there was a lot of effort put into um just these little incidental moments that make the world feel more real. Actually, okay, here here's a here's a thing I really like. Um in Final Fantasy V, uh you can control the main character Bartz, um, and you have the option of always like any town you go to, if you go to the inn or the tavern, um sometimes I think they're separate buildings, uh you can go to a piano on the stage and play on it. And the first time you examine a piano in the first town that you do this in, uh, Bartz will do like sloppily play a really basic scale. Um, and, but eventually the scale gets a bit more complex and uh, oh, eventually gets to cool. the point where like, he's flat out playing. I don't know if this is the song, but he's, he's playing like the entertainer. I want to say like just something <laughs> that is, you know, a, a recognizable real world piano song. Um, and like, that's, that's a tiny thing, but like, you know, um, we could even talk about, can you pet the dog in this game? And I, I know that's kind of overplayed, but I do still think like people like that. People like these little incidental details that are easier to do in tabletop gaming. Yeah, but when ma- they make, show making up a... in... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was just like, they, they make the world feel more holistically there yeah and more fleshed out and more real and more like like something you want to care about yeah and like, i think i love petting my horse in breath of the wild <laughs> yeah yeah and like to go back to to together among the stars that's the game is one of us comes up with something and the other fleshes it out and then I don't want to get too deep into exactly what we laid out because I feel like it's a really great cap to the episode and you should go uh, support the unexploded places on Patreon and listen to it. Um, But the last planet that we explored as we were playing, every one of the features loop together. Yeah. Like we, I set up something and Dylan added an extra detail and then Dylan set up something and I added a detail that linked into that first thing and the wrinkle that Dylan added. And then we, 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 I think really kind of clicked. Yeah. And cause I, I we think made, we're both kind of sensing like, all right, this planet's where we're, we're making the conclusion. So let's just, cause we, we did yeah, kind of set up a climax and a resolution. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Wildly. But like it, it when it's played well and tabletop games at their best, when you're playing with people that you know and that you can you can kind of get into that sort of storytelling groove with, they they just glide like that. They yeah. they become living spaces that everyone is able to have a little bit of agency over, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that is really special. Yeah, and. Much like the end of that Patreon episode of the Unexploded Places, I now feel like we have uh, holistically arrived at a nice button for this episode. I think so. Yeah, I, I think, and I'm just going to say this real quick. Uh, yeah, for sure. Playing, playing Together Among the Stars was kind of like 
and I didn't do this super often, but when I when I played bass guitar back in the day, I did do a couple jam sessions uh, with friends. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, it it is that kind of Holy whole shit. like yeah, exactly. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes. Because um, you know you're 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 getting a riff together, and everyone's kind of figured out their own individual thing that is making this work. But then you all kind of reach that moment where you're you're kind of looking up and you're looking at each other and you're like, all right, is this is this the time? Is it are we are we ready to prepare for a conclusion? And, you know, then then you do the thing and it's like, all right, that was fun. Um, That was that was together among the stars. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. It is a it is a storytelling jam session. That is an incredible way of putting it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You said that was like, holy shit, he's right. Let him cook. (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i think that feels like a good place to wrap up uh do if if anything that we've said sounds sounds cool uh do check out together among the stars uh takuma okada has also it is a a, a sort of add-on version to another game that takuma okada created called alone among the stars uh i'll put a link to their itch page or or whatever they're on i'll see if i can find their online presence and make sure to put a, a link to that in uh in the tweet and show notes and all that kind of stuff. So check them out. If this sounds cool, uh, really recommend it. Very, very cool and special game. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. I hope that this was fun for you. Uh, Dylan and I both just had a lot of thoughts about this game that we, we, we finished recording it and we're like backstage gaming episode. Um, <laughs> seems like, a so good if idea. you have, yeah. Uh, if, if you listening are like, that reminds me of whatever other, ttrpg or video game uh that like feels like it matches this vibe or or that you this conversation made you think of let us know on social media i i'm always looking to expand expand my uh my kind of knowledge of this kind of stuff and and really like games that make you feel like this are special and i if if you have more of them that did it for you i would love to hear about that dylan will tell you how to reach us on social media in just a second Before that, I do just want to say thank you one more time for listening. It means the world to us that you are here and that you are listening, and we hope that if you enjoy it, you will leave a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice, tell your friends and family and other loved ones about it, about us, if you think that they would enjoy what we're doing here. Uh, And yeah, you can find out more about our show at bsgpod.com and reach out to us directly via our contact form there if you feel so moved. Uh, Dylan, what about social media? Yeah, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter, where our handle is at BSG underscore cast. Um, also, if you want to talk about any types of jam session tabletop games, uh, I would love to know about more of those. Uh, Please. Comfy vibes are my <laughs> thing. So, um, yeah, if you want to get my attention, I would love it if you, yes, you, uh enter that hashtag bsg pod um just you know gets our eyes on you a little bit uh faster um it helps kind of drum up some stuff for us so you know it's always appreciated also at least for as long as uh twitter still exists (laughs) i think we're going not strong's not the right word but we're going (laughs) anyway that's not (laughs) Huge thanks to our friend Brendan French for the key art they have provided the show. Um, if you dig their stuff, uh, you should check out more of their stuff on their Squarespace, brennan-french.squarespace.com. You can also find them on Instagram.com slash brennanfrencharts and on their Twitter at brennan underscore French. 
You should also go check out our friend BioQuery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio, Volume 1, Instrumentality. If you like that, you'll like the rest of his music, too. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash bioquery. That's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. Or by searching for BioQuery on Spotify. Thank you to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. They are a great network full of podcasts about video games. And if you like what we're doing here, you're sure to like some of the other shows over there. So go check them out on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork. Thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed this, and we will be back in a couple of weeks. Take care. Goodbye, everybody.